When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's the Score North Twin Show. Boys, I think we need to work on a new slogan, like a new rallying cry for 2024 and beyond. Because it's been since the relaunch of the Score North Twin Show back, what, three months ago. It's been, we just want the Twins to win a playoff game. And they did. And And then they won a playoff series. And they gave us fun festivities at Target Field and buzz and atmosphere. So... Do we do we make the jump to World Series? Where we we want the or, Twins to win a World Series for well, the first time just, in 32 years. How how about we start with a pennant, the American League pennant? ALC. So that would be getting to the World Series. Getting yeah, like like how about we go there? We just want the have, Twins to get back where they belong. The World Series. I don't know if they belong there. I don't know if they've staked claim the american league pennant would be a very nice start i can only imagine after the very uh the sampling that we got of how that crowd impacted you know a first round best two or three and then division series can you imagine like an alcs game six or seven there or game one of the world series there again fans here when it takes off it takes off the scoring our twin show where we just want to see Griffin Jacks and Max Kepler thrive. Yeah. <laughs> something, something along that nature, maybe. Dude, Griffin Jack shoving and then people trying to dunk on Declan the last two weeks is my medicine. It, it is my drug. You know, I will say it, it's, it's a good thing that he was just like a mid tier reliever. That still, I don't think anyone in the national media really knows about. Because if I said this about, like, let's say I had the same take about Royce Lewis. Well, you would never say it about Royce I, Lewis. I would never say it about Royce Lewis. I said it right. about a mid-tier reliever who ended up absolutely shoving, which is right. great. And I am having a blast with it. Uh, but if I had said it without a high-profile player, which I would not do, because I yeah. was just picking yeah. on a mid-tier, low-tier reliever on a pecking order, that it'd be a different story. But it's, it's fun to see it. Can we talk about some of the rules, though, for what what this show and and what uh, social media is ab- about too? Because I feel like there's confusion. Okay. Okay. So, like, when first of all, when we give our hot takes, they're hot takes on purpose. So, like, they're not supposed to be tepid takes of you know, well, I might consider uh, pitching Thielbar against a left hander here or not there. Like, they're supposed to be hot takes. The other thing is, and I've seen this on Twitter more and more, and there's like general confusion about how how this works. And I'm sure that that you guys get the same thing. If a player is struggling or if you tweet something about a player at that moment, and it can be like two months ago, then you get back, this tweet didn't age well. Okay, (laughs) that's not how this works. If the player is struggling, it's not my responsibility to say, well, in two months, he might not be. So tonight, I'm not going to tweet that. (laughs) Yeah, but if you okay, but it's one thing to point out that they're struggling. And I agree. It's 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 dumb to go back and be like this. This opinion of a moment that was happening in time right. didn't, didn't age, age well. No, well. it's like it's a commentary on what's happening. But if you go exactly. a step further and say Max Kepler should be DFA'd, and I don't know if you tweeted that. I think at oh, some I, point that was said I on did. the show, right? I did. And, and then and he's fun. their best hitter in the second half of the season for like two months. Right. That tweet didn't age well. Yes. Because you wanted him gone, and then he became awesome for a few months, right? So I think 
people use the that didn't age well in the wrong everything. form. And there's a lot of things that we say and do that correct. don't age well. Okay. But that's correct. And a take, but, but let's get it right. A take is not a matter of fact. It's just a GD take. It's an opinion. It's not supposed to be yeah, just and completely yours correct was or inaccurate. Wrong about right. Griffin oh Jacks. Well, it's wrong. like I said, and I, I got this thrown back in, in my face yesterday. I had said uh, w- when we talked about the roster construction for the playoffs that I wasn't sure if I would have Chris Paddock on the roster. And then he shoved in what, game four? Yeah, and, and so, but yes, that's, that's a, but that's a reasonable like the but, dude hadn't really pitched meaningful games in fifteen months, right? And I'm and I'm fine with it being thrown back in my face, but I feel like everything I tweet saying, you know, that didn't age well. Everything, it's like no, no, it's not not across the board. Some of it aged just fine. Um, and and Phil's right. Like you know, I said Max Kepler should be DFA'd, and I have said I'm shocked he came back and pitched and played great until the playoffs. Um, but I just like, let's get it right when we're going to send that didn't age well. I don't recall ever being wrong about a twins take. Nope, never. One Me time not. I said, uh, Royce Lewis, I, the Griffin Jacks one, I will, Frankie Montas, but that's another, the Griffin Jacks one. I will always love though. Cause it was, a, <laughs> it was scalding legendary. Uh, we do have a bunch of comments to buzz through here as part of feedback Friday. And the twins are on the grid. The twins yes. folks, the twins are on the grid. Assemble for the Immaculate Grid. But uh, this barrage of feedback from the Score North app, there's a feedback tab. That's a great way to hit us up with Twins-related questions or comments or critiques about the show, whatever it is. Also, the YouTube comment section is a great place, too. Uh, and this batch is presented by our friends at Hire a Pro. So I don't know if you knew this. And I don't. I thought I heard hail today, actually. I don't know if it was like freezing rain or what. It's doing some weird stuff outside, but... We had some hailstorms over the summer. If you suffered roof damage and if you have an approved claim, if insurance has approved your roof replacement, work with HireAPro because they can help you earn a profit on your hail claim. Roofers actually hate these guys because they show you everything that a roofer can't, the expenses and the profit on your job. So let them sit down with you on your approved claim. They'll knock it out of the park. And again, if insurance has approved your roof replacement, give HireAPro a call at 651 651- 402-3400. That's 651-402-3400. Or visit them online at hireA.pro. That's hireA.pro. Okay. Feedback time. Speaking of getting clowned on the internet, Justin R. says, I think I heard Judd say that Brooks Lee should move to center field. You got yeah, lit up for that, for that hot take yesterday. That was my hot take. There's no chance. Brooks is thick in the thighs and butt. Amen. And profiles athletically as a third or second base candidate. Also, he has a 50 run grade on the 20 to 80 scouting scale that Fangraphs has him at 50. 50 is an average grade. He's not like a burner, certainly not Buxton or Michael A. Taylor um, or like Kiermaier. I recklessly speculate that the Twins will trade Julian for pitching and open second base for Brooks. Mm. Well, they'll go rise again. Ooh. So I, here's here's what I think. Because we were talking about this with Royce Hill a little bit too. I like where your head's at, which is, hey, they got to get creative here because Brooks Lee is their best prospect. He's He probably needs like, he, if he if he has a big spring training, I could see him making the club. But if he starts hot, let's say they start him off at St. Paul again, he, he's going to be up by maybe May 1st. So you, you got to clear the runway a little bit for this guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has enough speed. I don't think he profiles to be a center fielder. But Julian, he got better at second base, not the greatest second baseman. I think most people would say that Brooks Lee, better glove at second base than Julian. If you took Julian's weighted on base average, which is like OPS um, with proper weighting for on base and slugging. If you took Julian's rookie season weighted on base average and slid it into all first basemen in Major League Baseball, he would have had the sixth highest weighted on base average among first basemen. So, yeah. dude, Julian's bat plays at first base. Oh, yeah. And you're taking a, a middle infielder and moving him to first. If you give him enough time, like, hey, dude, your whole offseason, definitely still practice second base because we're going to need you there too. But mm-hmm. get a first baseman's glove that you like and work your ass off. <laughs> we're going to put an athlete at first base because he's a second. Like, you move a middle infielder to first base, he's going to be one of the most athletic first base like a rice 
and his first base. And maybe he doesn't hit, you know, the 50 bombs that Matt Olson hit for Atlanta, but his, his bat does play at first base. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm kind of at with this discussion. So Lee plays. So, so Lee plays second base. Mm-hmm. Julian plays first. Yeah. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I definitely, I don't think you'd tinker with moving Brooks Lee to the outfield. I just, I don't think that's worth it at this point. And you create, you created a log jam as it is, but you have an off season to kind of assess who's going to stay. Who do you want to trade? Who do you want to acquire? Who's willing to, who are you willing to part with? And that'll probably give you a idea of where this puzzle piece fits. Uh, but I don't really want to move a guy to a completely new position. Cause I just, I just don't think it's really worth it or really productive. You could also, I guess if you, if you want, if you thought that like, Royce Lewis should move to second and Brooks Lee third, but I mean, Royce looks like a third baseman now. He's dude. He's a big dude. He seemed to get really comfortable there by the end of the season. He kind of, it kind of feels like a third baseman to me. So I, I would, I would keep him there and keep him comfortable too. My not so hot take is if I'm the twins, I am bringing Michael A. Taylor back. Yeah. To like, start or to be a fourth outfielder. Um. Well, you know what? If it, Potentially to be a fourth guy, but here's the thing. Guys get hurt. You're going to need him. And he brought exactly what I have wanted this team to have at the time behind Buxton for four years. Like he runs into pitches. He's not great at the plate, but I think his, what he had like 21 home runs, which was a career high, something like that. And just, he makes every play out there basically. Like that's what I want. So, so the not hot take is if Taylor, if Taylor is the opening day starting center fielder for the 2024 Twins, you could do a hell of a lot worse than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Good really point. liked him out there. That was uh, a great trade. Yeah, and um, defensively, I just want to see here where he kind of sits with. Oh, these aren't the. Here we go. So, and he's in his 30s now. So I, I do worry about speed. Like once you get to a certain point, 29, 30, 31, your speed no longer is what it was. But in terms of uh, center fielders, defensive runs saved, he was sixth among qualified center fielders mm-hmm. this year. So he's still, you know, he's a well above average re- relative to all the other center fielders, a well above average defensive player, not a great offensive player, but if he's, if he's going to play top five, top six defense in center field and once in a while hit right. a double or a, or a home run in a pretty yes. big spot, you can do worse while you try to find the next option, you know, somewhere in your system. Um, okay. Emailer Phil chimes in and says, Hey guys, I've really enjoyed having the twin show back. I've been listening since the touch them all podcast days. And, uh, bi- and baseball is why I even started listening to the old 1500 ESPN radio station back in the day after this season and the postseason run, I keep coming back to the thing for which I think you guys and a lot of twins fans aren't giving Derek Falvey and Thad Levine enough credit for, and that's pitcher development. Every time this topic comes up, you guys play it down because you hope that Minnesota would develop pitching pipeline uh, like Cleveland's. But if you look closer, we've complimented them for bringing in Pablo Lopez, but he wasn't really even an ace coming in. He was a nice piece, but the talk was that he was a good solid number two and not an ace. His velocity's up. They've got him throwing a sweeper. And Pablo Lopez has openly credited the Twins and their analytics department with helping him evolve his pitch repertoire to get to that next level. Also, Louis Varland, a Concordia guy from the 15th round who threw 89 miles an hour. Now he's a four-pitch pitcher throwing 100 out of the bullpen. Joe Ryan was dismissed as a one-pitch pitcher. Brock Stewart looks nothing like his old former self. Duran was a low A-ball pickup in a trade and basically an afterthought. You know, there, there have been some really good development stories in 2023, and because of that, I do think this narrative has changed from where it was maybe 12 months ago. So it's interesting because yes, they, they deserve credit for, and it's sort it's a little bit of a dartboard thing, but as far as trades, they, they have made a lot of moves to try to get pit, uh, pitchers, but you know, Varlin and Ober are what I expected. The pipeline would be much more of by now with Falvey's regime. And so do I give them credit for their trades? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they've they made the only time where they've really made some really bad trades, I think some just awful trades, are deadline moves meant to enhance them. Those have not worked. But like the Lopez trade worked out well. 
the gray trade, which by the way was high risk. Like, like if I'm not mistaken, that was Chase Petty, right? The gray uh, trade. Yes, I believe so. And I'll he's having a, he had a decent year in there. So, but I'm just, saying like, yeah, like you drafted him. That's a that's a risky trade, and it worked out well. Um, so I think the only thing I'm saying is. I think we all agree that we would have that we thought that there would be more stories of actual drafting and implementation than there have been. And I'm not going to apologize for that, but this person is exactly right. The reality is they have done a very good job of making some trades, taking pitchers and then developing and or probably not developing, improving them. And developing pitching, like, let's just be honest, it's incredibly hard. Like we, you, you look at Cleveland, you look at the Dodgers, and in my opinion, that is an anomaly. They just, for whatever reason, just absolutely produce these absurd pitchers that you've never heard of, and then they get to the big leagues, and they're really good. Can you name another organization that has really done as good of a job as those two that have developed their own pitching, that haven't acquired it, haven't traded for it, haven't yeah, signed the, I mean, for the it? I mean, the Rays, but yeah, it's, it, it's hard. The Braves? It's hard. It's very Braves difficult nice to job. do. It's mm-hmm. really difficult to do. So if, if you're not going to be good at developing it from your own system, then be good at acquiring it. And to be honest, for the most part, they've been really good at acquiring it. Yep. It, but it is like, this is another one of those, uh, you know, this didn't age well, potential things. You know, for the first five or six years, there were a lot of missteps, a lot of sort of head scratcher things here, a lot of wondering where the pitching was. And, they, and a lot of things have come together for them with the decisions that they've made. So credit to them. And it's, I think it's, you evaluate it differently now than you did six months ago. And that's, that's great for them. That's awesome. And that's part of the reason why the twins finally won a playoff game for Didn't the first well, time Phil. in 20 years. What are you talking about? <laughs> Didn't age well, Mackie. Brian Darling says, Hey guys, thanks again for bringing back the score North twin show. Thank you for listening and consuming Brian. I was born in 1986, so I believe Mackie and I are almost the same age. Correct. This season was a success. So excited for 2024. Has your guys' faith in the manager and front office changed at all after this late season run? Yes. No question about it. And and so this season was a success because of this. It's not because, because again, in the playoffs, the same problems reared their ugly head. Uh, this season is is a success because I think the more appropriate word is hope. You now have hope. In June, I didn't think, you know what, 2024, I think there's a ton, there's going to be a ton of, of hope. Royce Lewis, Walner, Julian for sure changed that. Um Lopez, who developed into, I think, I think that we can fit uh, I think we can fairly say an ace, changed that. Um, and so yes, I, I have far more optimism and you know with Baldelli and management as well because I think it's very important to we we get really tied up in it's it's you know Rocco made this decision or that decision which I don't believe I think it's a conglomerate but anyway um with the fact that Lopez and Gray and pitchers consistently throughout the season say save for game four Joe Ryan special circumstance I think yeah allowed pitchers to pitch deeper and trusted them so yes, I think my view has changed, and I do think that there is there is more hope now going into spring training than there has been in since what two thousand nineteen, going into twenty. Uh, well, two thousand twenty, there was a ton of hope, but then the pandemic hit, and that season right. was weird. But it, right. in, in in a long time, yeah. In twenty one, I didn't feel like there was as much hope as as there was the previous winter going yep. into spring training. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. I, I think in general, a lot of people's opinions on Rocco have probably shifted for the better. Um, it just seemed like he was less of a robot and more of a human being. Um, there was moves and just situations. I think in general that he yep. looked more like a legitimate big league manager who is pulling all the right strings and there's judgment calls that have to be made, but it's not completely a puppeteering of a manager. I, I thought in general, Rocco's stock has probably risen more significantly than what people probably think of the front office in Falvey and Levine. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I feel like it's it, some of these, some of these things that I at least criticized the front office for, they have come around now and proven me wrong about like, I don't know, I guess, maybe, I guess, yeah, about pitching development. Brock Stewart, like 
the the emailer from a couple of questions ago. At the end of the day, there's some really good young arms now that have blossomed and are going to be part of this thing going into 2024. Maybe I was impatient. I don't know. I, I was hoping that it would happen earlier so you weren't running out inferior relievers in the 2019 playoffs and 2020 playoffs. On the Rocco front, I still wonder, like, I don't think he's on the level of some of the best managers in baseball. I don't. Are they winning despite that? I don't think he's, like, shipwrecking them, but maybe that's how the front office kind of wants it. I don't know that they want right. a Bruce Bochy or, you know, pick your right. pick your manager that is headed to the Hall of Fame so, at some point, right? So my opinion is this. If after the Braves debacle, and the Braves were great, not in the playoffs, but the Braves during the season were great. After the Braves debacle, if they had called Baldelli in and said, dude, this team's dead ass, you're gone, it's not working. Do I think that this team does not have the resurgence that they did in the second half? My answer is no. I think that they do. I think it was, I think it was, and this is not to say that Rocco did nothing, but I think it was driven by Royce Lewis. I think it was driven by, Correa. I think it was driven far more by players. So do I think that Rocco Baldelli is an absolutely essential ingredient to this team? No. I wouldn't fire him now, but I also think that what we saw was far more a resurgence of the clubhouse and of certain and and the the addition and and or the the importance that they grew from guys like Royce. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Uh, Pat Dwyer chimes in here, says, discovered you guys online when Correa signed the first time a couple years ago. That's awesome, Pat. Thank you. Hung around for Vikings coverage in 2022. I've been a daily listener ever since. Haven't lived in Minnesota since before Jesse Ventura was elected governor, but I've never stopped being a Minnesota sports fan. Agree with your take on the Twins offense. I, too, am an analytics guy. I've read Keith Law's book, Smart Baseball, and I agree that base runners are the key to scoring runs. That said, you can't drive a guy in from second with a walk. I'm curious if a heavy three true outcomes approach, that would mean you're very heavy in strikeouts, walks, and home runs, uh, that that approach, I'm skeptical that that is successful over 162, but maybe too volatile in the in the postseason. So I, I was curious and just wanted to see, I, I looked this up because I saw this question coming down the pipeline here. You know, the Twins had the the most strikeouts in baseball history offensively. And so they led the league in strikeout rate as well, obviously. The Astros, the Braves, who were the best team in baseball in the regular season, and the Diamondbacks, who've been this resurgent surprise team, right? They were all bottom five in strikeout rate, and meaning like lowest strikeout rate offensively. I would draw it up this way, okay? The Twins struck out in 27% of their plate appearances this year, which is insane. That's literally like one in every three, three and a half trips someone strikes out. So 27%, 27 out of 100 automatic outs for the Twins. These other teams I just mentioned are like 19 or 20% strikeout rates. And that may not seem like that much of a difference, right? Well, it's 20%, 27%, whatever, right? But if you take a hundred plate appearances, call it three games in a playoff series, right? A hundred team plate appearances. And I'm 27% and your Astros or your Diamondbacks are 20%. That's seven extra automatic outs for my offense over the course of three games. Hmm. So you get those, those seven plate appearances and they're not all going to be home runs. There's going to be a couple ground outs, but two or three of those might be balls in play. It might be an extra run in a game that wins you something. Right. So that is that is one of the biggest things, I think, whether it's through just some, some personnel changes or philosophical changes, I don't think you're winning a World Series, if that's the new stated goal here, or to win a pennant, if you're striking out in 27% of your team plate appearances. Yeah, that's brutal. And I, there's also the other stat in the playoffs that 
teams that out homer the other team are like you're winning 90 percent. I'm, I'm probably maybe exaggerating a little bit but you are most likely winning that game every time if you're out homering the team but in general when you're striking out 27 percent of the time it just it's not going to work so they definitely have to change their hitting philosophy and i don't think they can i don't know how it can just quantifiably drop from 27 to 18th overnight i genuinely don't know how you fix that overnight but something clearly does have to change to take a step at least in the right direction that you're not striking out 27% of the time. So I'm going to go in a, a direction to, to here that sort of um, elaborates on that statistic in particular and say this. When you watched the division series and you watched the Astros at bats and the Twins at, at bats, so forget the end result. I'm talking about just the at bats. I felt the Astros take great at bats. Mm-hmm. They're long, they're fouling off pitches, they're battling. I felt like the Twins at bats were far more, if, for lack of a better term, simplistic. Yeah. Um, well, are you surprised and, and, by that? Though? And that's eye test. No, but I'm saying, like, I think this goes into those who say, well, the strikeout, I mean, who cares? It, it's just an out. But it's also how you get to that out. So I'm not surprised, but what I'm saying is I think Houston provides a a great blueprint through watching their at-bats of where you want to be. And and I don't think there's any reason why the Twins, to me it's not like, well, look at the Astros and look at the Twins. The Astros are a superior team. The Astros hitters are all, now Jordan Alvarez is great. I'll fully acknowledge that. But I'm just saying from an eye test standpoint, I want in the playoffs especially, I want long competitive at bats that keep, that give you a chance. And anecdotally, it feels like the twins aren't there consistently. And it's, it is really like, if we take a step back to it's, it's hard and unfair to compare apples to apples, Astros lineup to twins lineup. When, when now I still, despite, despite this, like the Astros lineup um, and the Twins lineup, like, over the course of a full season or second half, the Twins scored more runs per game, I believe, in the second half of the season than the Astros lineup did. But this is where once once you get away from the spreadsheet for a second and you get into human land, which is kind of where you are with your take here, you say, boy, that Astros lineup, once you get into a do-or-die playoff situation, they right. literally have multiple MVPs, countless silver sluggers, world championship credibility, you know, even like the guys they bring in, Michael Brantley over the last couple of years and Jose Abreu. The, I mean, these dudes have pedigree as hitters in baseball. And the Twins lineup right now is largely fueled by dudes who've barely played Major League Baseball. Edward Julian and Royce Lewis and Alex Kirilov. And it's just, it's, when you look at it from that perspective, I know that same group that's inexperienced scored more runs per game than the Astros down the stretch. But if it's right. game two, crowds going crazy, heart rate's, pumping through your neck, right? Royce Lewis chases a couple pitches that Alex Bregman probably doesn't right now right. anyways. Right. And, and I, I think where, where there's hope to is that for instance, Julian's at bats. A lot of times I love. Like Great he might strike out, but, they're, takes, but yes. they're fantastic at bats. Like that's what, that's what I want. It's, it's, it's not that you can't strike out. It's that what's your approach. And by the way, like as much as people loathe the Astros for the cheating scandal or whatever, like this cocky attitude, like, dude, they have developed those hitters internally. Altuve, Correa, who was there, Bregman, who's an absolute stud, Alvarez, who's just like they, that entire group was, was a core that was benefit from drafting early, but they've kept them together and they showed life in the, you know, mid 2000, mid 2010 decade. And they've been now to seven straight ALCSs, man, like. That's that's the hope that you the twins should hope to be the Astros. That is the goal. That is the absolute goal is to be the oh, Astros. Dude, every team wants to be the Astros. I know, but, but people loathe Houston and people hate them for for dumb reasons, in my opinion. And you want your twins offense to be that offense. You absolutely do. I think one thing like to take your point there, Dex, like. They and some of this is, of course, they feel this way because they're badass and they've won at the level they won, but. When the Astros go into a game, they expect to score about nine runs. Up and down that lineup, Bregman, Kyle Tucker, like these dudes, they know in their minds, we're going to score eight or nine runs today. Now, they don't always score eight or nine runs. Sometimes I feel like the Twins are still, there's a couple hitters that believe that they are, but then there's some other hitters like Max Kepler. Does Max Kepler come to the ballpark? 
knowing in his mind with full confidence, oh, yeah, we're going to F this pitcher up today, and this is going to be awesome. And we're going to freaking, and we're going to, we're going to flip the bat, and we're going to, there, there's a certain sort of bravado and attitude. Now, did the Astros have that in 2016 when they were building this thing? You know, some of it comes with success, but yeah. it was a, a glaring difference in that series. Yep. And I, I just want to see, especially the front office, um, because again, guys are going to strike out. I totally get that. I, but I want to see the front office acknowledge that they've learned that strikeouts are detrimental. And, and so you, so look, certain guys strike out, but you went out and got Gallo and, and then just kept playing him. Now, eventually that did come to an end, but that's where I, but that's where I want, I I as much want the uh, Falvey to watch the Astros approach at the plate as the players. Yeah, Gallo, say, Gallo being removed and extracted will help your strikeout problem, right? By a percentage point or two, I would guess. Absolutely, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, okay, that's all the feedback for now. We'll do more next week on Feedback Friday. The Twins are on the grid, so we definitely want to get to that and carve out some time to hunt for a rarity score if we can. But let's shout out a couple friends here, starting with Ugly Deck and UglyDeck.com. They've jumped on board for October. And uh, the beefed up version of the Scornar Twin Show here, Judd, tell the audience. So how do you go from, from a deck that is ugly, a deck that is in disrepair, to a gorgeous deck? It's you shave its mustache. It, oh, sorry. <laughs> now, nah, Declan's mustache, mustache, mustache was fine. That was not a bad I, stash. I that deck, like... though, right there, that is an <laughs> ugly deck that's going to be made beautiful because our friends at UglyDeck.com, they're offering what they're calling a Reserve My Deck Package Now special for the DIYer who wants to build a deck in the spring. So when baseball season comes around again, you're going to build a beautiful deck and you're going to most importantly probably save huge. This is only for a limited number of customers who reserve their deck package now, UglyDeck.com, offering up to $1,000 off a full deck Package plus locked-in pricing for 2023. UglyDeck.com will then deliver your deck package to your driveway by May 1st of 24, and you will be the smartest DIYer on the block. Why do I say this? Because you're going to save as much as $10,000. UglyDeck.com will get you the plans, free plans, a free coach, access to their online deck build academy, and they will install your footings and ledger. You do the rest. You save huge uglydeck.com. Go there today. Click on the reserve my deck package now button. And when uh, baseball season comes back around, deck season will too. Only you're going to be sitting on a beautiful deck courtesy of Ugly Deck. Yeah, it's also a weight loss season. I mean, it can always be a weight loss season, yeah. but it's a good time of year to maybe drop a few pounds before the holidays here, huh? Like that guy right there a couple of years back dropped. 40 pounds, thanks to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers. And right now they are running a promotion. They're calling they're calling Livia Days. And I'm going to tell you, they have an offer for you. So for a long time, I've been talking about if you join, you get the first three months for free. And you might be on the fence. You might be procrastinating. You might be saying, well, I want to lose the weight. And three months for free sounds good, but, because there's always a but. Uh-uh. In this case, there's not now. Because Livia Days has been extended through October 21st. And during that time, you are going to get six months free. That's right. If there was any question, if you had any doubt, if you had any reservations, I am taking them away right now because you are going to get six months for free. Imagine that. Now, if you are a Twins fan, let's say you're in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and you're Mm -hmm. thinking, boy, I'd like to lose some weight Mm -hmm. and I would like to join. But man, Livia is located in the Twin Cities. All can be done virtually. So no Mm -hmm. matter where you are, no matter where you live, if you want to lose that weight, Livia is going to help you do it. And most importantly, keep the weight off. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, Livia.com. And I'll say it one more time for the people in the back, six months free. All right, boys. The twins are on the grid here. Let's see how much damage we can do. Interesting. Ooh, some legacy franchises. We can go old school. Oh, Here's what we're good. looking for. We're looking so to go good. Looking to go nine for nine. And uh, we're probably hunting for a rarity score here if we can. We're looking for a twin who was a rarity, meaning we need obscure players for these boxes. A oh. twin who was a Red Sox, a twin who was a White Sox, and a twin who was an Oriole. We're looking for a Padre who was a Red Sox, a Padre who was a White Sox, and a Padre who was an Oriole. 
And then we're looking for a Red Sox MVP, a White Sox MVP, and an Oriole MVP. Okay. So many choices. Uh, real quick, before we get to the Twins ones, we used this old school Red Sox earlier in the week, and we can probably use them again. I think it was, a, was it a Hall of Fame one or something? Uh, Tris Speaker. Remember that one we used a couple days ago? When did MVP oh. start? When did M- when did MVP start? That I click don't. on that and see. Nineteen thirty-one. Trish Speaker was like. It was around in, that era, like in right? In the thirties and forties, I think, wasn't he? And I'm, just, he, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. We used him earlier this week, and yeah. he was like a one percent. Yeah, and he's a Hall of Famer. So I'm assuming because he was a Hall of Famer that he probably won an MVP. Just gonna throw out. There. I'm gonna write his name now. Okay. okay. Uh, move on. We used move on. That would also work. Moban won an MVP with the Red Sox that year. Okay. We're talking about. Yes, he did. Ninety-three, I believe. Yes, yeah, so that MVP. That will probably be okay. a very obscure one. That Movan uh, and then Trist Speaker. We'll just put those names down. We'll come back to that one later. Let's do the Twins row first, you boys. All right, a twin who was a Red Sox. Tom Brunanski, Rick Aguilera, Doug Mankiewicz, Doug Mankiewicz. The Aggie. reliever that Judd hated, Addison Reed. Addison Reed? He's a good, yeah. <laughs> There's a That's lot obscure. of choices here. What, what's the oldest one we can Dude, uh, 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 Frankie Rodriguez. Remember that guy? Twins pitcher. Oh, yeah. In fact, he was acquired in the Aguilera trade, right? The first one. Or was he a minor? Did he? he yeah, but he might have been a minor there. leaguer. He he, I don't there. remember if he pitched for the Red Sox. That is one. That is one problem. There's other the '90s. I feel like the '90s were kind of well, littered Br- with. Brunanski went from the Cardinals to the Red Sox. Todd Walker. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. That's rare. Todd Walker. Uh, uh, uh. Oh my God. Todd Walker is a good one. Punto would work. Paul Sorrento. Yep. Pierzynski would work. Didn't Paul Sorrento play for the? He got traded to Cleveland. I don't remember if he. You might. You might be right. Todd Walker is going to be super rare. No one remembers Todd Walker. Who are the so the rare ones we've said? Addison Reed is rare. Mm-hmm. Todd Walker is rare. I think Brunanski is rare. I don't know if he's as rare as Todd long, Walker. It's a long time ago. I think Todd. I think Todd Walker is for sure rare. Reed, Reed would be Frankie rare. Rodriguez. I, I don't. I think I you're right, Phil. With it. I think he was a minor leaguer. Can I? All right, Hot we're going to take him off the board. Can I just look him up? I'm only going to look him up. We'll, we won't use him. I'm gonna look him up just to well, see. Well let's put let's put a guy in there and then and and then we can allow you to look him up. Okay. Todd Walker? Todd Walker? Sure. That's a I, I mean it's, it's gonna be, be, be it's gonna be less one. than one percent. Be under one. Be under it's one. gonna be less than one percent. Don't worry about it. One it's time. less than one percent. Point three. Point three. I told you. I'm gonna look up uh I, um I got, a, Rodriguez. I got a twin and a white sock that might be point that might be zero point one. Okay. Eric Soderholm. Oh my god! I don't know who that is. That's great. From the seventies. By the way, uh, Frankie Rodriguez did pitch in nine games for the Red Sox in nineteen ninety-five. Nice. For future okay. reference, we could use Frankie Rodriguez. Well, that's a good one though with Todd Walker. You Eric Soderholm. You want me to fire this? Yep. Yep. It's yeah. For sure. Point eight. Point eight. Higher than uh, Todd Walker. Son of a. Look at that good-looking guy. Danny um, Valencia is always our go-to for some of these. We could I use. Got a rare one. Chris Parmalee. Parmley oh yes! Oh, yeah. Fire... Wait, wait, wait! Did uh, did Joe Benson also play for the Orioles? Oh, play for Texas, Texas, Texas. Chris Parmley is a great one. God, Joe Benson or uh, Jesse Orozco would be another one. Long time. Chris Parmley is going to be point. Parmley, okay. It's going to be solo. Was writing names down to look up Orozco for later. Point zero. Point zero zero six. And look the, at the start. Look at this. <laughs> look at the start we're off to. I can get you. I can get you an obscure Red Sox Padre. Okay. Those, uh, those, remember those early 2000s Red Sox bullpens when they, oh, like, 02, 03, when they were, like, climbing up to win the World Series 04? They, uh, Alan Embry was one of their, okay, was one of their late inning relievers, and Alan Embry was acquired via trade with the Padres in the early 2000s. I thought That's you were going to. Alan, A L A N E M B. We don't like have a- to use it if there's other ones. I thought you were going to un- unleash a Phil Plantier reference. Oh, Phil Plantier. <laughs> Alan Embry stance? or Phil Plantier? Yes. I think, I think Embry 
all due respect. Those are both uh, super obscure. I'm I, think write down. Em- I think Embry's more obscure in my opinion. I think people might sort of remember Phil Plantier. Great stance, by the way, Declan. you got to look up a stance. Boy. I think we're dealing with two really good options here with Alan Embry and Phil Plantier. So it's up to you. Judd, you make the call. Go ahead. Embry. Okay. Be, yeah. under, be under one. It's a pitcher. Point two percent. Yeah. Oh, good. That's a great um, one. I got a White Sox Padre. We've mentioned okay. this guy before. Jake Peavy? Nope. Even better. John Oops. Garland. Johnny Garland. Oh. Yeah, dude. J-O-N, right? There's a, there's like a, yeah, there's a, hold on a second. Let's, before we do this, just, let's just talk about this square. Yep. Um, There's a cavalcade of pitchers that like revived their careers by going to that ballpark. Yellow, the Yellowstone of Major League Baseball. Garland's one of them. Um, I'm just trying to think of other potentially obscure. That's a good leader in the clubhouse. Garland's really obscure. And if the Padres franchise doesn't go back far enough. If, That's the if thing you want, with like some of these other ones. If you want an old one, like a one one that um, actually a good pitcher, but people won't remember, Lamar Hoyt. Lamar Hoyt, who started the 1985 All Star game at the Metrodome for the Padres, but had been, uh, I believe, you want a Cy Young with yeah. the White Sox. But I, I think John Garland's going to be super rare anyway. So. Garland, I'm going to guess Garland is the highest percentage, but it's still a very good percentage here. It's going to, yeah. Point nine. Yeah. I was right, but that's still, no, <laughs> that's still amazing. It, Point nine. In fact, I want to oh, see man. Okay. All right. Um, he might be a little higher, so if you guys have another one, and by higher, I don't think this is going to be like double digits, but Nelson Cruz would work for Birds and Padres. Uh-huh. Writing down. He, he's actually a good grid guy. Yeah, he is a good grid guy. He is. Yep. Seattle, Texas, yeah. Nelson Cruz. Did, uh, Who's speaking of Jesse Orozco, did Jesse Orozco pitch for the... Jeez, he might have. He pitched for like nine or ten teams. Now, now Latroy, Latroy didn't, right? Latroy wouldn't fit the square, would he? Nishek. Did Nishek pitch for the birds? I don't know. You're right on Padres, Cardinals, Twins. Did Darren O'Day pitch for the Padres? Oh, boy. Darren O'Day. <laughs> Darren O'Day. Remember that guy? He was oh, an yes. Orioles like eighth inning guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh man. Catchers. I'm trying to think of any more locks. We can come back to this one too. We know we have a Nelson Cruz. Yeah. We know we Should have we a Nelson Mo- Cruz. Should we use Mo Vaughn for sure. MVP or do you want to try? Well, I think, well, between, well, we know Mo Vaughn won the MVP in 1993. I think I can rattle off most of the 90s MVPs. Um, Tris yeah. Speaker was a Hall of Famer. But I don't know he won an MVP like that. That's yes. the one I'm thing. I'm pretty sure he did, but. I mean, you're probably right, but he would. I think the question is, we have a crazy rarity score going right now. Yeah, there's not that many options here. Well, I guess Ted Williams won one. There's probably more for the Red Sox that will bring the percentages down. I think Yaz won one. I know that Fred Lynn in 1975 is the only player ever to win. I think Rookie of the Year and MVP. MVP. Did Jim Rice? I don't think Jim Rice ever won an MVP. um, I'm pretty sure he didn't win. I, I mean that that Red Sox that? team was, was that before? but Fred Lynn for sure won MVP in '75. Mo Vaughn for sure won it. Like Declan and I just worry it. that that. Uh, well, I I will say just in general, like oh, MVPs we're, are going to be gonna, yes, yes. You're you're not going to be able to hunt. Yeah, that but that's far why now. that's why we would go old school because everyone else right. is thinking Ted Williams into the future. So it's between Mo Vaughn and the would you say for '75? Tris Tris Speaker. Oh. Yeah, I don't know on Tris Speaker. I let's don't. let's la- let's save it for the end and decide how you know because it could be the difference between like Movon being eight percent and if if Tris Speaker is let's let's just yeah. let's save it. Okay. All right, here's another old school. So the White Sox, Frank Thomas MVP. Oh, yeah. um, there's an old school White Sox. My this is where like any Chicago team. My dad used to tell me about all these Cubs and White Sox from back in the day, and his favorite second baseman who's a Hall of Famer, is Nellie Fox, a 20-year player in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was a White Sox. He was uh, he kind of like the, I don't know, like if Ozzie Smith was a second baseman. Uh, Nellie Fox was one of the best players of that era and is, mm-hmm. a, is a Hall of Famer. So much like Tris Speaker, 
I'm assuming that if you're in the Hall of Fame and you played for like 18 to 20 years, you probably won an MVP. Okay. And it would be a low score. The the safe bets will be Thomas and then Jose Abreu won one in the pandemic year. Yeah. Um, but if you're confident with Nelly, Nelly Fox. I'm equally confident with Nelly Fox and Tris Speaker, which is not 100%, but I know those guys are Hall of Famers and legends from before any okay. of us were walking the earth. So I, okay. it's, you know. I like it. Yeah, take a chance on love here in the immaculate. I think uh, I think we risk risk it for La Biscuit. Nelly for Nelly, should we try Nelly Fox? Yeah, let's right, give it a right. shot. Uh, is mm. that N E L L I E? Okay, right there. Yeah, not like the rapper. Um, nope. Six. Look at that. Six. Is that per- oh, he got six. Percent, dude. Look at that dip. Shaw in his. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh shocked he's six percent. But that's be- but no, but that's because but, there's only probably five of them, right? Yeah, like, it's, it's who are heart, the right. who are no, the White would, Sox historically? That Thomas yeah, Abreu, just, Nelly Fox, the yeah. Louis Aparicio. Everyone. Luke Appling. Luke Appling. Um, Was he a White Sox? Yeah, no, we're just sure. making up names from the forties. No, no, Luke Appling. I know, I know, I know. Luke Appling. I just he was great. Shoeless Joe Jackson. He went in before his time. No, that's before his time. Hmm. The or he he was before. Oh, before the, the MVP. award was presented. Got it. Because he, to- he, he totally baseball. would have. He totally would have won. He was MVP. banned from baseball after nineteen nineteen. Okay, um, we, so we're we're sitting here. We got. Uh, well, should we or- fire? Oriole MVP speaker? options would be the Robinsons. Did the Robinsons, Brooks, and Frank both win? Yes. Cal Ripken? Cal Ripken. Pretty sure both the Robinsons well, won MVPs. If you want to fire Tris Speaker, and if Tris Speaker is right, I think we could, because the Orioles are not going to. Not a to... hundo. Not a hundo, but usually well, it's Hall of up Famers. To you. If, if unless you it's Harold Baines. It. Usually oh, wait, Hall wait, of wait, Famers wait. are MVPs. Wait. Yeah. 1928. 07 to 28, and the MVP started when? 34? 31. Good call. No, 31. Good no. call. Huh? Since 1931. 1911. Wait, oh, okay. Precursors to MVP award from 1911. Point seven. Oh, oh snap. See, that's what I would expect. These nice old work. school photos are great, too. Trish Baker looks like. Trish and the boys. Yeah, throw the Trish ball doesn't look like that. fun. Trish does not look like fun. Trish looked like he might have yelled and some Nelly things Fox at the looks uh, like he was... non-white players from the dugout in the movie and 42 Fox... or something. Yeah. And Nelly Fox looks like he'd kick your ass for a chaw. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give me your, it's give me your Copenhagen. His, his face is just like that because of the chaw pocket. I think. Dude, that's good work, it's Phil. Probably a growth. Yeah, that's good work. I didn't um, trust I, you really at all. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't trust me either with some of these. I was just hoping against hope. Okay. For for Baltimore Orioles MVP, I think the options are with with quite a bit of confidence, but you can never be hundred uh, percent. Frank Brooks Robinson. Robinson, Frank Robinson, Cal Ripken Jr. And I do think yeah. those are not going to – I mean, Here's it's going to be our highest. It's going to be our highest square. Did Eddie Murray ever win one? I don't believe he did. Okay, Eddie, and I'm I, just I, I also okay. don't know if he ever hit 40 home runs in a season. He's one of those weird, okay. like – him great and, like, player. Harold Baines are guys that were, like, really good for a long time. Oh, great switch hitter. But okay. they never – here's a question. Is there a – is there like a? Is there any more history? Like Orioles weren't. Was there a Baltimore Braves or was there a? No, they're the St. Louis Browns. Oh, I didn't okay. know they were the Brewers first. That's interesting. One year they were the Brewers. They were the Brewers for a year. Yep, they were the Browns. But the so Browns were, for fifty years they were the St. Louis Browns, and I don't. know They were a historically about terrible that. franchise. The Browns were a terrible franchise owned hey, by for, Bill Veck at one time. Oh, for future reference, let's go. This is where we need to do some studying stuff. Let's let's study like the St. Louis Browns fifty-one oh, year history so that we can throw some players out for Orioles. The only next time. the only year that the Browns had a pop up was in World War II when a lot of star players were serving in the war and the Browns I think won a pennant because of the fact that, that the league was so depleted because the Yankees were playing with six guys because DiMaggio was, was over flying fun. missions yeah uh, I mean I, I think we have 
I mean, if we're just working off Orioles history here and we're looking at Robinsons and Ripken, like it's one of those. Things. I mean, you just pick Brooks Robinson and pray. Okay. I don't know. Which, I think what, Cal's probably the highest, so it's either between Brooks or Frank. I, didn't Frank win one with at Baltimore for sure? I don't remember if Brooks did or we're not. We're both. It sounds like none of us are like totally sure about the Robinsons, well, Cal, but we're yeah, hunting Cal here. Is, Which is, Robinson would be the likely lowest rarity score here, Judd? Brooks or Frank? If well, they both Brooke, won MVPs. Yeah, if they both won, I think Brooks would be, but I have more faith in the Frank. I think you're I probably right. I think because Frank, Frank was like one. Frank was like managing, right? I mean, Frank was... Well, Frank was just a great player. Okay, so Frank Robinson? I, I think Brooke, I, I'm agreeing with Judd that Brooksy, Brooksy would be, if they both won MVPs, would be the rarer of the two, but I... Okay. But I feel better with, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. These guys are both all right. all-time great players. 18. Okay, 18%. Okay. okay. I'm going to see what Frank was now. Um, hey, did – did uh, he went there after Pittsburgh. Did Derek Lee play for the Padres? Oh. Maybe. Uh, is this – this is Cubs-Marlins Derek Lee? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yep. Yep. Cubs-Marlins, Pirates. I, and he went to the Birds – I don't ride. Yeah, finish I don't know. with San Diego. Oh man, Cruz. I think Nelson. I think Nelson. Cruz. Oh, I got a. I got a. I got a Milwaukee radio interview calling me here. Hold on one second. Oh, okay. Hey, Phil, can you talk about the Twins? Should, should um, I fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nelson yeah, yeah, Cruz yeah. at this point. Yeah, or? yeah. Oh, fire, okay. Yes, yes. Fire Cruz. I mean, it's not like he's a household name. Seven. It was a seven that's percent for a rarity score good. of thirty-four. Nice work. Thirty-four. Very nice impressive by Phil on the. Uh, oh, sorry. What did we do there for that last one? We just used Cruz. Nelson Cruz. Yeah. And it, what was he? Sorry, I got to. He was. I got to talk talk Vikings and uh, and NFC. He North. was seven percent. Seven percent. Look at that. Okay. Yep. Hey boys, good job. Thirty four percent on the grid today. See only four White Sox. Five. Who are the MVPs for the Orioles? Or are we? Are there St. Louis Browns? Oh, see, that's the problem with this. When you click on this, it just gives you all okay. of them, all, and then you yeah. gotta like Hold sort on. by BAL. St. Louis Browns reference. Uh, Ripken twice. Boog Powell. Oh Boog, God, I love Boog, Boog Powell. Powell in 1970 won it. Okay, um, uh, wow. St. Louis Browns in the early 2000 in the in the early 20s had <laughs> a guy named George Sisla. George Sisla, oh, George Hall Sisla's of Famer. Great. He once hit 420 in a season in 1922, kids. Remember that for later. All right. Okay. Hey, I got to jump on this uh, this radio interview here okay. <laughs> wow. to talk Vikings and Bears. That's the Scorn Our Twin Show, Immaculate Grid. Nice job today, gentlemen. Bye, everybody. We'll see you guys.